Welcome in listeners to another episode of the Busby Bay podcast. I'm your host, Colin Dams, joined by my uh, esteemed leader, Brent Maxinen. And uh, we have a special guest today, uh, Tosin from the Shirtless Plantain Show. You also know him from working socials and content for CBS on Champions League. How's it going? I'm good, man. Um, happy United game is over because um, <laughs> if I speak, I'll be in big trouble. And I don't want to be in big trouble. So <laughs> If I speak, exactly. I'm in big trouble. <laughs> yeah. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah. All things considered, after suffering through uh, 120 minutes of garbage football. Yeah, possibly uh, the most boring match report I've had to write in my time at the Busby Babe. And uh, I sat through the Jose Mourinho years, so uh, that's saying a lot. Oof. Oof. It was very, very bad. It was... Uh, uh, was a lot to take in. It reminded me a little bit of the 15-16 Van Hall season where we had the ball for, what, 70-80% of the time and still had maybe two shots on goal the entire game. It was, uh, yeah. We, we were uh, talking a bit pre-pod about the state of Manchester United's midfield in this game, and once again, another performance where the absence of Bruno Fernandes really showed uh, in terms of creativity and, you know, creating meaningful chances. It's not even about, like, you know, missing for me. It's just more so the fact that, like, Fred and Matic, I even said it before the game, I was like, this is going to be so bad. First of all, Fred is so left-footed, it hurts. So seeing him on the right side with his left foot, like, he literally couldn't find a pass because he wanted to shift his body towards the left, and he's like, it, no, like, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not good. So that wasn't good. And, like, you can see Donnie was trying to find space, and Donnie just couldn't get the ball because... Bruno, I mean, because those guys couldn't find him, you know, so it's the hodgepodge of annoyance. That's really what it is. Like, we're almost there, but then we're not there. So it's like, we're like, we're in purgatory beating United fans. Yeah, it's uh, it's rough, right? Because I think I said on on Twitter that, um, like, this is on paper exactly the kind of game that you bring in Van de Beek for, you know, mm-hmm. when either Pogba or Bruno were injured, or in this case, one was injured, one was being rotated so you have somebody who's going to provide incisions somebody who's going to make things happen but van der Beek plays like he's still at Ajax you know he plays touch and go football whereas <laughs> Solskjaer's United is set up for the number 10 to make things happen right that was a big change from when we had Andreas Pereira and Jesse Lingard playing number 10 and the second Solskjaer got a real number 10 dissipate those two and then you know Bruno when Bruno came in everything was ticking. But every time you see Van der Beek making a run, either his teammates aren't looking for him or in the case of Fred don't have the ability to find him. And uh but he's also too you know he's he's passive in the final third, which is fine if you play within that system where you give one go and link up. But the way United is, you know, we kinda need that attacking hub as a number ten to be more uh, decisive. Yeah, his movement, I mean, ever since he got here and he scored in his first game, even doing this, just getting into the box and trying to, you know, find ways to get into the attack has always looked pretty good. It's just, it's almost like it's him playing his own game rather than trying to fit into what Solskjaer's game plan is. And that's, I don't know, yeah. it, it's been really frustrating, this, the growing pains from it. What did uh, LeBron say to Kevin Love in your... At your, your Cavaliers, you know, stop trying to, to 
stand out. They're trying to stand in or stop trying to fit out or something like that. They're trying to fit in. Basically, yeah. this isn't the Timberwolves anymore. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I don't even, I, like, you guys completely get it on the head. I don't have anything else to say. It's just like, I think the talent is there for Dummy, but it was a huge jump to go from United and Knight. I know a lot of people think, you know, United are not what they used to be. And I even had the discussion the other day about how United fans, we have the most ridiculous of standards for what we want in our talent and what we want in our team and what we want. But we've had these high standards for a reason. Like, we just don't accept nonsense. So it's just like, like, I think he has to realize that he's not an Ajax no more. Like, as this famous saying goes, you're not in Kansas anymore. So uh, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is, man. Like, you just got to realize that this is not the place that you're, you know, we're, we're not in uh, we're not in uh, Ajax anymore. So, yeah. Yeah, we don't do the, the combinations on the edge of the box. Like, the reason we win so many penalties is because... All those players in our front three, you know, maybe aside from Cavani, want to take the ball and drive, you know. So if you are in possession on the edge of the box, then you need to look forward. Uh, I made the joke when I was only half kidding, saying that, um, you know, we wanted Jack Grealish and we, we got under Herrera. But that's kind of how, like, Van der Beek now plays like under Herrera under Van Hel. Like looking yeah. backwards too much, too passive in possessions, like he, he's afraid to give up the ball. And at some point, you're like, oh, he's on another level, you know, footballing IQ. And another point, you have to kind of say, all right, you've been here for six months now. You must, re- Fred is not going to play it back to you. You know, Fred's body shape is wrong by the time he receives the ball. You know, the other players are going to look to go in a different direction. They're going to look to dribble with the ball. So at some point, you have to kind of adjust to the players around you. And, um, and it's probably coaching too, but it just hasn't happened so far. And scoring goals recently, you know, apart from the uh, Southampton beatdown and uh, Everton this past weekend, they've been kind of hard to come by for Manchester United since, I guess, midway through the winter schedule. Um, you know, it, it wasn't often that we would beat a team by more than one goal, and we're scoring more often out of necessity than just controlling a game. Um, it, is that on Solshire as a manager, you guys think that, we play better when we invite pressure and try and exploit more open games. But when it comes to breaking down teams, even with all of our talent and creativity on the pitch, it's just not been happening. And you know, often requires a moment of brilliance from an individual. 100%. <laughs> like, I really 100% think that, like, there's not, and that's no offense to Ollie. Like, I think I've always thought that, like, I think Ollie's done a good job, especially for such a limited manager like he is. But, United can't break down teams, and we've seen that hundreds of times. Like, United cannot do it. And I don't know if it's down to personnel, I don't know if it's down to what is it, whatever it's down to, but United can't do it. But they don't do it consistently enough. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I think also one of the things that goes kind of understated is that Solskjaer has been, uh, like, he's been a lot more like a better version of, of Jose Mourinho than, than people realize in that, I mean, I would never want Mourinho back because Mourinho is the most miserable experience I ever had watching United. And, you know, I was there for Moyes and Van Halen, you know, those transition years with, with Fugi. Mourinho made me hate match day, which is something that had never happened before. But the comparison I'm making with Mourinho is that Solskjaer builds from the back and he doesn't really take risks. Like there's a cup game 
today against West Ham, Van der Beek is going to play um, the braver move is to see what he could do as a number eight, knowing that West Ham are probably going to put more players behind the ball. But he fell back on security, you know, on Matic and, and Fred. And I think that's probably, especially based on how Van Beek played today, that's probably what we're going to see until Pogba comes back. Like I, don't, I don't expect Van der Beek to play as a number eight. I think we're going to get that unfortunate combination of uh, Fred plus one. Um, and then Bruno trying to make things happen ahead of them. It has been positive, though, that Scott McTominay is scoring six goals in his last uh, 11 matches or so. And, you know, it, at least one part of his game improving in his attacking awareness and getting into the box, um, despite him, you know, not having the crowd which he usually plays off of yeah i mean he's he's he was a striker in the academy so you can see that even when he strikes the ball he strikes he probably strikes the ball the cleanest on our team to be honest like he strikes that ball very very cleanly so yeah it's probably him on Mata who like strike the ball the cleanest in in the united squad um but yeah colin you're right i mean um McTominay has gotten better at the attacking parts of the game, like he's turning in to a decent box-to-box midfielder, um, which is fine, but that still leaves that holding midfield spot. Because he's never going to be a holding midfielder. He's never going to be a Matic replacement. I think we could we could kind of put that one to bed now. He's tall, and that's about it. You know, like he's well, yeah. So he looks like a Sir Alex Ferguson player. But. <laughs> yeah, he looks the player. It's like, oh, this is the archetype of a, a tough screaming midfielder, but that's not his That's not his game. Um, he doesn't patrol space the way Matic does. And if he's going to be a box-to-box midfielder, then he's going to be a Pogba alternate. But if our two holding midfielders are Matic and Fred, we're in trouble. I think... <laughs> big, big trouble. Um, I think the three of us, too, at, at least gauging from you know our Twitter, have been you know, skeptical about Solskjaer as you know the long-term manager of this Manchester United team, and with Pochettino kind of out of the picture, coming around the same time that we topped the league for two weeks or we won the Premier League for two weeks. Um, it it kind of maybe took a little bit of pressure off of him, but there's still that question now. How does he change things up to try and convince us or convince the fan base as a whole that he is the guy for this squad that he's building? I don't think there is. I mean, I mean we just know who he is at this point. I mean, maybe if we got better personnel, um, but like we just kind of know like what all he's gonna do, and that's fair. Like mm-hmm. who he is, um, he means well, but sometimes it doesn't come across well. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's probably fair. You know, he's a he's a decent manager, and listen, decent managers have won leagues, have won cups. So it's not, you know, let's not pretend that every manager who's won a league title, even in the Premier League, is an elite manager. Um, but our recruitment has been so bad um, that the squad now is still imbalanced, even though it's probably the best it's been since Moyes. Um, we can't afford to have players who are question marks and holes in a squad and sometimes questionable recruitment and also a manager who is 
inconsistent, you know, because you already have inconsistent players. Like, all, all our attackers, aside from Bruno, are streaky. Um, midfield outside of Pogba is, you know, island of misfit toys. You know, that backline needs protecting, apparently. You know, so there's, unfortunately, sometimes in, in football, the easiest problem to fix is replacing the manager, but I don't know who is better out there who's available right now anyway. And uh, and to be fair, you know, he has a, he has us in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. We dropped out of Champions League, but um, we're second in the league and we probably have the third best squad, maybe. So that's decent. Um, not at the level, maybe, to, to be a United manager long term, but, you know, not the only out, he's garbage, he's a PE teacher nonsense you see on online. Yeah, that is part of what makes this uh, idea of Ollie feel a bit strange is that at, there has been a progression over time of, you know, since he took the job as caretaker to where we are now. I mean, we're second in the league and we're still in the FA Cup, but I, I don't know. I, it, I think it's mostly these past eight years as a Manchester United fan that have me hesitant of you know, both backing Ollie long term and wanting to find a replacement for him, you know, as soon as could, can be made. Yeah, man. I, I really don't have any... I mean, I've said what I need, I've always needed to say about Ali. I feel like he can only take his butt so far, but, you know, that's just life. That's just life with... Uh, that's just life with Ali going to social as your manager, I suppose. I think he missed the trick with, with his backroom staff, too. I mean... Everybody was raving about Kieran McKenna as being a bright offensive mind. And I get, you know, Michael Carrick supposedly is a, a good coach. Him and Kieran McKenna do mostly training. Um, but maybe the combination of them and, you know, what is, what is Mick Phelan bringing to the table in terms of, listen, your coaching staff is the same in any sport, right? They're supposed to round out whoever the head coach or whoever the manager is also to counterbalance that person's weaknesses. We don't know if McKenna and Carrick and now Darren Fletcher and, and the rest of the first team coaching staff if they're if they're doing that. Um a lot of the stuff with, with Fergie's coaching staff is always in retrospect, you know. Years after winning the Champions League we find out, oh actually it was um, you know, this person on the coaching staff and that person on the coaching staff. But yeah, that balance probably still doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, there is a boldness too, I think, especially in the second half of Sir Alex's career with trying to bring in assistants who would maybe help him change his offensive philosophy, which was always sort of adaptable to the times. And with you know, Ale and Louis van Gaal especially and uh, David Moyes, we see this sort of safety pick for whoever sits next to them on the bench that, you know, someone who United fans look at and, you know, feel better about because it's a familiar face. But, you know, as results might tell, it's not always seemed like they that was the best pick. Um, Ryan Giggs, Phil Neville, I think <laughs> their managerial careers since then have kind of shown that maybe they should not have been given such a high responsibility so early in their career. Um, all right. So, uh, kind of looking ahead here, we've got West Brom at the weekend and then, uh, Europa League starting up next week. Uh, I kind of wanted to gauge 
uh, both of your opinions on the Europa League and how much we should put into it uh, as a club that pretty was pretty disappointed to crash out of the Champions League at the group stage uh, after competing, you know, head to head with two of the best clubs in Europe uh, in early in the group stage. I was skeptical. Like I was go- I've been going back and forth about like Europa League, but honestly, I just want to see Ahmad, Panama, Shola, all those young kids just play them. Like I don't give a damn about the Europa mm-hmm. League. Just play the kids and secure a top four and just end the season. Get it out of my face. All I really care about. <laughs> I have no ambition for anything else but top four at this point. I look, sound like an Arsenal fan. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me sick. How far we done fell. Makes me so. Yeah, I mean, Europa League is look. We have a we have a fun draw, right? Sociedad, um, Yanisai is over there. Um, they're a decent team. Um, but unfortunately, that means that we're not going to see that much rotation. Um, and I would love to see the, I mean, we'd probably see Ahmad. I don't know if we're going to see Shula or Hannibal unless it's a dead rubber second leg situation. Um, just because there are so many, I mean, now with, with Lingard gone and, uh, Rojo, there are more spots that have been freed up for the kids to kind of take. Uh, around the fringes, but I assume Solskjaer will, will go for it, especially going out in the League Cup on uh, the way, you know, we're not favourites for the league, obviously, so I doubt he will treat the Europa League as a distraction. Yeah, I mean, we pretty much need Jose to pull something off this weekend against City if we have any hope of staying in it in the Premier League, right? And even nope. then comes our our <laughs> You know, the weight of our past misgivings, especially on defense, I think were on full display against Everton last week. Uh, just losing concentration in moments where we're supposedly in control. Oh my god. I was out. Every, everything about a game we can, everything about a goal we conceded against Everton was frustrating. From the substitution to the foul to how we defended it to the only, you know, Title winner out there, just going to sleep. In the, I mean, the has never been uh, the most vocal keeper. He when he was the best in the world, but you're the guy who was supposed to be leading this unit. And Maguire, whether it's because he was just mentally tired or physically tired, also going to sleep. You, know, you can't if that's your that's your leading centre back. That's your number one goalkeeper. And in the last seconds of a match, you give away a a, a chance like that. I mean, you, we're not going to go anywhere doing that, you know. Barring a, we'll need a city catastrophe. Um, and even that, you could say with Pogba injured, we're not even in a good place to take advantage of that anyway. You know, if a asteroid hit the, tra- the city training ground without Pogba, it's going to be more like what we saw today. I, uh, I went for a walk that morning and I listened to uh, your guest episode on the Shirtless Plantain show. And apart from learning things I did not know about Dwight York, uh, I also enjoyed <laughs> the conversation about uh, both David De Gea and Harry Maguire thinking, oh, yeah, they are they are actually pretty good. <laughs> Maybe we better are better off with them in the squad now and De Gea playing well again. And uh, sure enough, I think both of them uh, turned up on at least one or two of the goals. Yeah. 
Like, I don't even know what else to say about him. Like, he's been good. It's like you live long, you live long enough to see yourself become the hero. That's uh, what the hero has become. And it's unfortunate because he, like, was up there with one of the best keepers that we've had at United. But then, like, now, it's like the back end of it is just like, dang, bro, you stink. And I'm so sorry to hear that. It's like, I love you to death, but it's just like, man, why <laughs> it is you are? Oh, like, even football, like, was like, that should not have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, what are you doing? Like, be more aware. But, yeah, I mean, the good thing is we play West Brom this weekend. I really hope we're not bad enough to lose to West Brom. Do you, think, do you think Henderson has any chance to actually take over mid-season? How bad does it have to get? Uh, I don't know. I really like. I haven't like everyone says that Dean Henderson sucks. I'm just like, well, he had a whole full season of Premier League. He was probably the best goalkeeper when he was there, but it was also Sheffield United. So, yeah. I, mean, I think uh, I think he's good, but I think it's a listen. It's a different kind of pressure. I was a big Tim Howard fan when he was at. United because of his ability. I've seen lots of talented goalkeepers. I thought Lindegaard was really talented, but it's a different kind of pressure when you're number one at United. The thing I like about Dean Henderson is that he's come almost to the point of arrogance. You know, when you play the ball back to him, he uses his feet. You know, even I don't know if that's the right fit. <laughs> yes, it is. Like in the, in the, in the like second half of the. Uh... Of the uh, what's it called? Of the um, of the game. Yeah, he was wilding. Like he like at this point, <laughs> this guy literally like in front of his gun, like yo, relax, relax. Like hey, you know watching our own highlights. Are you, do you not know who's playing in front of you? You need to be not so calm, <laughs> not so assured. Don't take any chances. <laughs> to be fair, I think the camera was on him maybe once the entire you know previous what hundred five minutes to that point. He was showing out for the camera. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, "Oh, I have to do something." He probably should have just had a lawn chair for most of the game. But yeah, I mean, if you take if you take the hair out, you can't you can't put him back in, right? Then we're back to Roy Carroll and Tim Howard type situation. It's either you keep him in or you drop him, probably. It's one of the most difficult positions, I think, to play in any sport, but it's also such a hard position to manage because he's tried to sort of bring Dean Henderson along for some of the games, especially in cup matches. But it's like with with these iffy performances, I think he had one in the Premier League, too, against West Ham, where he looked just shy. You know, just what do you do at that point? Because this is a position where he's never really had to think that it was a problem until now, I think. No Manchester United manager since Sir Alex has had to think of this position as a problem until now. And it's coming at possibly the worst, <laughs> the worst time in our rebuilding process where every other position is starting to get patched up finally. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating because it's just like, we could talk to him in a space to wear blue, but like, I'm, I'm going to say something, I don't care. I hope United goes to Dortmund this summer and buys all like their three players from them like in bulk. I'm talking about Haaland, Sancho, and Ju. Just go there and buy them in bulk like it's Costco. Like just do that because I <laughs> they were disrespectful last summer. Like we gave you good money, but we know you you know you can't turn it down. But yeah, here they are like thinking they're big and bad. I'm just like okay, I'm like all right, here you guys go. Yeah. No. Can we offer them a flat two hundred fifty million? 
I'll be yeah. back. We'll give you 120 and we're going to take three of what we want and then goodbye. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's ruined him for free. Yeah, like we're going to treat it like it's Costco. Like we're going to buy the chicken in bulk, we're going to buy the cereal in bulk, <laughs> and we're going to come home. We're going <laughs> yeah. to treat them as. Yeah, like these these years of, of, you know, trying not to get taken for a ride by other clubs. No, go out there and, you know, show out, be obnoxious. You're like, yeah, this is the offer and we're taking him. You know Sancho's head is gone already. Um, we know you can't afford to keep him for another season. So, yeah, we want that and we want one of those. And we take that midfielder you have too. I want one of these, I want one of that. Let yeah. Me get- we get a strike up. <laughs> Let me get a mug and uh, need one of those. I mean, with the way that COVID's hit, uh, you know, some of these clubs, can we just do what I guess Red Bull, the energy drink company, has got done? Can we just like buy Dortmund and they'll be Manchester United Dortmund or something? Yeah, we could we could afford it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably cheaper at that point just to buy the club than yeah. keep buying all their players. Should look that up. What is the value of Borussia Dortmund? I'll, I'll that look that up real quick. Just just throw in the extra for what one player would cost and just buy the club, and then shut it down. It's estimated right now at eight hundred ninety-six million. So sell the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and buy Dortmund. <sighs> I ruined my weekend seeing uh, Joel Glazer on the pitch smiling. Disgusting. Holding a trophy. Ugh. Yeah. And thinking, too, at, this will shift the conversation entirely, but, like, paying, you know, this massive signing bonus for a 42-year-old quarterback in Tom Brady, MAGA hat quarterback in Tom Brady, when... Over the last 10 years, they've basically turned Manchester United into absorbing all of their debts and then taking money out these past few years. Yeah. Just Des- despite, you know, the money that does show up in Manchester United is just ridiculous. Yeah. That's Wayne Rooney in that, um, Chilean wine advert. That money, that's what's paying for, for Tom Brady right now. You know, and every time we get a, a, a tractor sponsor or a official um, potato snack partner in Malaysia, which I actually think we have. It's not going back into into our pockets, you know. It's not going back into United. It's going somewhere. Yeah, and still somehow better than any potential suitor that could afford to buy Manchester United. <sighs> Never get free. Never. No. We're, we're stuck. We're stuck with them. So. It is what it is at this point, you know? Yeah. So what is, I guess, Tosin, your brightest hope for the future in Manchester United? What Can you see us winning anything in the next five years? Uh, yeah, I can see him breaking our hearts. That's the only thing I can see in the next five years. I don't, got no, I don't, I don't have any hope anymore, man. They, they, beat the, they beat the hope out of me, man. I don't, I don't, I don't have no hope for this club anymore, man. I'm sad. Like, it's so sad to admit that, but, like, we're right here. Like, we're right here, and, like, just not there. Like, I don't know, man. It's frustrating. It's frustrating as hell. 
I don't I don't know, man. What about you guys? What do you guys think? I mean, I don't know. Um, depends on the week, if you ask me. I think I've kind of accepted that uh, a lot of things have to go away for us not to be heartbroken over the next few years, including a lot of luck. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of, which is sad, like we're dependent on, that's, be, that's beneath us. Why are we dependent on other teams to be crap or to have injuries or to change managers mid-season or something or yeah. to miss on signings? But that's kind of where we are right now. Um, I don't know. I think we'll be in and around top four. And I think the only, the only way we get the investment we need is probably if we win one of the two big ones. And right now, we're not built to win one of the two big ones. So... If if Pogba goes out this summer, we're not going to replace him um, properly. So it's going to be two steps back next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at some point you have to start looking at, okay, we've been filling the right wing role by a committee. If we miss out on that again, we don't have, uh, like number nine isn't sorted out. We have to do that. So every time you patch one hole, another hole opens up. So unless you get a real investment and we don't miss, like we've missed on some sign-ins. Um, like I was never, I thought the money we paid for Fred was funny until now that we actually could be good. And now we're starting to get me uh, upset. <laughs> because you see Fred play today and I'm like, wow, now I understand why people... Like he picked this moment this to, to finally yeah. like show all of his faults again. Yeah. Like now we remember Fred's price tag because before it was like, well, we're kind of crap anyway, so who cares? Um, but now it's like, well, we could really use somebody who wouldn't give me a heart attack every time they receive the ball, or every time they're on the ball, or every time they're in front of the ball, you know? So I don't know. I, I'm not, I haven't lost all hope yet. Um, I'm also realistic about, you know, what we're going to get from the Glazers. If we get one big sign-in, it's very likely that we have another, you know, big player going out, and that we won't get all those fantasy transfers that we expect. And we're still, as we saw today, one injury and one lack of form away from being very average, as opposed to we'll be all right. Well, what we will be four Pogba went down, which was a decent team. I'm just glad. The only thing is, the only saving grace that we have West Brom next. That's the only thing I can say is that like, we have West Brom next. Let's be shameless and like beat them. Oh yeah, uh, at least have it be West fun. <laughs> we beat West Brom six 0 I'm, I'm taking all this back. Gonna deny <laughs> this entire podcast. I'm like I didn't say that. What I said was number twenty one and twenty one. Yeah, I think that's the best thing about United fans on social is that we're all the most shameless people in the world. 100%. And that's the thing is, was like, I've had people pull up to me and just like, I'm telling you right now, like, we know we're not that good, but we know that it pisses you off, so we're going to continue to do it. <laughs> so, it is what it is. I'm super excited to see Ahmad, though. Like, I'm very, very excited to see Ahmad and, like, Hannibal and, like, Shola and all those guys, like, I feel like our academy has so many special talents that like I'm just excited to see them all. And uh, yeah. who's the strikers? We have Hugill and um, we have this Charlie. 
we got this other kid that we got from uh, Man City's Academy who like scored a lot mm-hmm. of goals. Is that M- McCann? Charlie McCann? Charlie Eason? Uh, I think it's Charlie McNeil, yeah. Charlie yeah. McNeil, yeah. Yeah, we have some, we have a crop coming up. If, even if one or two of them panel, that's a good, good generation. You want to know the, you know the funniest part about the team that we played today? That striker that came on for them, the young kid? He actually came from United's Academy. I don't know broadcast. I don't remember his name, but I heard it on the broadcast. I don't remember him. Yeah, one of the positives, I think, from Jose Mourinho's brain is finally reinvesting in the Youth Academy and realizing that the players coming out were not good enough. But, uh, yeah, maybe we're going to enter another age of the Premier League where every other player that has a really good performance against us, we're like, oh, they came from our academy. Yeah. Like, I remember yeah. that kid. <laughs> I mean, like, even today I was watching the Bournemouth versus um, Burnley game. And you guys remember, do you guys remember this name? It was going to be a throwback for some, some people. Uh, ben Pearson. Yeah. Yep. Ben Pearson. I remember him from FIFA 12. <laughs> yep. Ben Pearson plays for Burnley now. And apparently he's one that, I mean, for uh, Bournemouth, sorry, and he's one that better players. And I was just like, United fans are everywhere, man. What? That yeah. is. But I miss, like, I miss those days, too. I mean, that's kind of the biggest sign of we lost the whole generation in the academy from not investing. Because yeah. for most of the Premier League era, Sunderland, Newcastle, West Ham, you know, there's somebody in their match day squad that came through the academy and, and United, you know, there's some random fullback somewhere that has a decent Premier League career that came through the academy, and we just kind of like that whole um, Cameron Borthwick Jackson. Like, let's, that, let's pretend that never happened. Oof. I pretend most of that season didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could say the same for somebody like Jesse Lingard, right? Who I I like, you know, personally. Um, Jesse Lingard has no business being in a United squad as long as he was, you know, and if things were the way they're supposed to be, he would have, you know, scored some goals, had a few good moments, and then would have sold him for to West Ham two years ago because he couldn't play. Maybe Scott McTominay falls in there too, but, you know, at least McTominay is a useful enough presence in, in the squad right now, but that's kind of what we were fame for, right? We would just produce Premier League ready players, players with a good football education. Even if they're not United level, they can play somewhere. So, we'll see. Next few years. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited just like for the future of what we have, but I'm not excited for what who who's in charge of what we're doing. So, and I have one more thing to say about Oli. Like, Oli means well, man. Like, I, I, I was mm-hmm. very hard on him. I can admit that I was very wrong. You can see that Oli means very well with the team. But, with that said, I don't think Oli is the one to take it forward. But, I would love to be wrong. Because I like that guy. Like, I, it's it's surreal. Like, when I cut clips from my job and things like that, and I'm watching Oli, like, as a player, and I'm watching the games where he scored against Leo, I'm just like, man, he's really a man. Now. That's insane to me. And it's just yeah. like, I like the guy so much, I want him to do well, but it's just like, I, I, don't see it, man. Like I, I really, really want it to happen. Like I want to be wrong about Oli so bad. Yeah, he's he's probably the first one to post Fergie where I was genuinely like I want it to be him <laughs> that turns things around. But he's just 
apart from being a club legend, you know, he's a lot more fun having as manager and the way that we play is a lot more fun than we had under all these other guys. And I, I really just don't want to get stuck in this loop like a lot of other Premier League teams of just cycling through managers and seeing what works. And it I just, think, you know, it felt very impersonal. And yeah. I think that his attachment to the club is part of, you know, it's kind of like what was happening with all those years under Ferguson is just something that you are genuinely invested in. I think from a shameless perspective, you know how nice of you to tell people that, like, the guy who won the trouble that none of your teams have is just people like, like why, what a reason why we're good. That's the number one reason I'm rooting for Solskjaer to make it. Like, I just want, it's like, our manager wins Champions Leagues, wins trebles on the pitch, and now he wins titles as a manager also. You cannot... Like nobody could would be able to say that. So I I agree. Like I wanted to be. You could see his flaws. You know, I wanted to be him, and I think he's done the best job of any manager. Like Moyes was always wrong. Van Halen was born on Pupus. Mourinho was finished since he left Madrid, and he was miserable at United. Made he probably Mourinho's treble was making the fans, players, and media all miserable at the same time. But at least Solskjaer, like, okay, I could see what he's building, even if it's not coming off all the time. And he's done a really good job squad building. Like, we've cut a lot of dead weight. Marcus Rojo was here for like seven years. After seven years? Was it that long? Yeah. I think it's six, six He arrived uh, summer 2014, yeah. Mike. God, man, what are, we, what are we doing? Like, what, okay, at this point, what are we doing as a club? Like the Marcus Rowe, <laughs> like that. Like, okay, that guy, I've had enough, man. Like, what, what, what exactly are we doing here? Like, is I would a, say, I would, I would, I would say Marcus Rojo is the most pointless sign I've seen at United. Not worse. I mean, we've seen worse players than him, but he was the most pointless just because Van Hal obviously didn't really plan to go into management, or if he did, he thought he was going to Spurs. Clearly wasn't doing any scouting. So, you know, Marcus Rujo was at the World Cup. Van Hal played against him. He's like, yeah, that guy is left-footed. I want to play three centre-backs. He seems good. And then after two games, he was like, actually, I don't want to play three centre-backs. This isn't working. And the entire purpose of Marcus Rujo disappeared in weeks. And then that guy was three years away from a testimonial. Like, we just couldn't get rid of him. Even though he had, he was serving no purpose for the longest while. And he gave him a new contract for no reason. Like, yo, what, what exactly were we doing at this club, man? Like, sometimes I just wonder, like, do people know how annoying funny it is to be a United fan? Like, it's the best and the worst at the same time. I think Phil Jones signed more new contracts in the last two years than he has appearances. Because I'm almost certain that's about two years ago where Phil Jones got a new contract. And you could tell me that Phil Jones has been on a boat or in space, you know, for the last year. Nobody's seen him. You know, like Solskjaer will just say, yeah, you know, Jones, good good player, good professional. He's around, he's training hard. Nobody's seen him in any pictures. As far as we know, he's, Phil Jones died nine months ago. As far as we know, Phil Jones probably doesn't even exist. Like, that's probably a myth that, like, we made up. <laughs> there's no such thing. We made that up. That's a lie that we made up years ago. There's no such thing as Completely Collective made. Collective figment of our imagination. 
Phil is. Jones. Phil Jones was like the original John Stones, you know. Like he he was so highly rated mm-hmm. because now he's turned into this joke. Uh, but Phil Jones has been like Phil Jones was was rated as Fugi calling me next Duncan Edwards. Yeah, like he was he was supposed to be the guy. I think one of the funny things about Phil Jones is um, you can just say that uh, you know you, you guys remember in Flight Club, I mean Fight Club, where like uh, Tyler Curtin made up character. <laughs> so that's what Phil Jones is. Phil Jones is Tyler Dur- like he he's a figment of our imagination. Yeah. Like Lily doesn't exist. He just he's just there. So and for the last, I know was was terrible because all these things are. We're joking, but we really haven't seen Phil Jones. We're one injury away from Phil Jones being on the bench right now. Because Eric Bailly is injured again. How does Eric Bailly get, since his last appearance, get into a car accident and also get injured in training? Like, that is, that is cursed, cursed juju for Eric Bailly to be out again. I don't even want to talk about Eric Bailly's injury history, man, because it's bad. It's all the way bad. It is what it is, man. What do you think we do about uh, center back going forward? In my ideal world, like, what do I want, or what do, what do I think is gonna happen? Um, both, I guess. Both. <laughs> okay. So what's really gonna happen is United are gonna sign somebody that we all hate and we're gonna take forever to get rid of, and it's gonna set us back again. In reality, United should go pick Kanate or. Um, Kanate or um, Jules Kunde. That's who United can go get. One of those two. And United can go get Bubuka Kamara from uh, Marseille. I think everybody has fallen in love with Declan Rice. And, you know, Declan Rice is a weird player for me because like, every time I watch him play, I get it. But then I don't get it at the same time. He's he's a good... If he was coming through our... If he had come through our academy, we would have loved him. But he's not a he's not a I don't you know, forget about transfer fees not mattering anymore. There's no rule in Declan Rice is a seventy million dollar player unless we're spending four hundred million pounds you know summer which we're not doing. He just seems like every other like up and coming English midfielder like Eric Dyer and I just for some part of his career Jordan Henderson was this too. He's gotten better I guess. Um, just. A player who's overvalued because he's came up through a Premier League team. And I think he will end up somewhere, you know, at a bigger club, but I, I'm hesitant to say that it should be ours. That's the thing, right? Like, I, I genuinely think he's a good player. Like, I, I watch him and say, like, yo, you're a good player. But if I can spend like 30, 40 million in defensive midfielder from France, like, you know, like a Bukka Kamara, I'm going to go do that 100% all, all, all the time. Just because. I just don't trust buying an English player from, you know, West Ham for seventy million, and then there's much there's someone who's just as talented for like less the money. So, and and West Ham will rinse us. You know, he's the vice captain. He's going to go to the Euros because England are such a top-heavy team um, that even the mediocre. Defensive midfielders and, and defenders are gonna, you know, gonna make the team. So, yeah, that the price of the brick will be going up 
uh, at West Ham, forget the pandemic stuff. Like that's their that's their big asset, and there's no way that he's worth like Tosin was saying compared to what you could go and get in Liga. Um, for a defensive midfielder, there's no way he's worth that, and we have to be. We can't spend dumb money anymore. <laughs> like we we use all our dumb money, uh, like opportunities. You know, we've we've blown a lot, so we need to get some smart signings now. That's not the thing. Is like there's so many talented players that you can see in the world that like would fit you know like, and I, I've been very very privileged and like blessed to, like watch other leagues. Like I'm watching now. Like you know, one day I'll be watching Premier League on my TV, and I have Bundesliga, and it's like. So many talented players in leagues, and just like I don't understand how, like you know, watching championship, you buy someone like Daniel James, who honestly doesn't play because he's not good enough. Like, let's keep his fate his fate. Daniel James is not kicking. Ryan Giggs has blood on his hands for Daniel James, and his any United fan should be able to fight Ryan Giggs in the street when they see him, not just because he's a terrible person, but because he stuck us with Daniel James, who sure is a nice person, but is nowhere near good enough. And it's just like I don't understand it, man. It's just like I don't know. I, I don't get it. I, I I will say I definitely don't trust any player that David Moyes is willing to sell us. It's also that too. Oof. Yeah. He's uh he's still stewing on it. Yeah. And I think we just finished paying him too, so maybe he'll ease off on the targeted comments now. I'm not sure his contract would have only expired. Like a season ago, or two seasons ago, somewhere. Oh. All right, guys. Um, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up here. Uh, I, having some internet connectivity issues, so I'm like only hearing bits and pieces of uh each of the conversations that have happened in the last ten or so minutes. Cool. Um, now, now is the time to get the problematic takes in at the end. Yes. <laughs> Anyone have any parting shots? Um, I probably have some, and I'm just gonna like. I think. Oh, by the way, since we're here, I think PSG is gonna win a Champions League this season. Yes. That's not a bad show. It's not a bad show. I would honestly, I'll take anybody but uh, City or Liverpool. So I don't care. Yeah, did you? Did, did you won. That's what I, I think. I think City's gonna win finally. They're gonna finally do it, and uh, it's gonna be hilarious to see what people are gonna say when uh, when uh, when Pochettino wins it. <laughs> oh my god, the all the old crowd is gonna be out of control <laughs> if Pochettino wins the Champions League. It's gonna be unbearable online. Oh, it's gonna be so funny, man! And I cannot wait. I cannot. I cannot wait. And I just hope it's just that shameless. So, yeah, that, that's my problematic take. Like, I don't really have anything problematic to say. I think I am problematic in myself. So, I think I think, I think that's all I gotta say. Yeah, I'll save mine. Uh, except uh, Pep Guardiola is a terrible person, uh, and it's only because he wears expensive sweaters that people don't call him often. And Jurgen Klopp is unbearable, and uh, I'm excited that people are not realizing that he's unlikable. Uh, well, Tosin, thanks for joining us. Uh, Brent, thanks for figuring out your Skype login so you could pod with us again. Yep. Um, 
I'm sorry about uh, all the cutting in and out, but um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it uh, much more than I enjoyed the uh, West Ham game. So at least there's that. Anything's better than that, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fellas, y'all take it easy. All right, take it easy. Thanks for coming on.